1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is the last day for those sixth row hoops tickets. Event contested, downtown Phoenix, all the food, all the drink included. So if you want to make yourself a potential winner, download the KDOS 1060 app. Register, that's a key component so we know who you are, how to find you if you are the winner of those sixth row hoops tickets. Today is the final day contest closes. Uh, but we do have those Waste Management Phoenix Open tickets, GA tickets for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday next week with the Waste Management Phoenix Open coming to town. Same thing with the KDOS 1060 app. Download Apple and Android users and register and get yourself eligible for that contest and with those tickets it is uh wednesday it is january 31st bob kemp kayla mortellaro here with you up until one o'clock today as we typically do mondays wednesdays thursdays and fridays we'll take your phone calls today around uh um 11 30 and 12 15 the number is always 602 260 1060 if you'd like to chime in but first let's set the scene here with today's poll questions and bob had an in-depth Pac-12 hoops conversation with Roxy Bernstein from Pac-12 Networks as well as ESPN, breaking it all down. And if you missed it, podcast the interview over at KDOS1060.com. Here's the question, though, for KDOS1060.com's poll question. Will the U of A men's basketball team advance beyond the Sweet 16? Tightly contested here with no leading the way at 56% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 44%. Yeah, I think this has become certainly uh, you know more than a legitimate question at this point. You know, they got off to a great start in November, which they've done every year with Tommy Lloyd. They played good teams in November too, and still won. They, they've never lost a game in November in the three years that Lloyd's been the coach. But once we got to December, they lost a game on a quote neutral site in Indianapolis against Purdue, which is a school from the state of Indiana. And then they did lose a neutral site game to Florida Atlantic in Las Vegas also. And then once the conference play has started, before last Saturday's win at Oregon, uh, the U of A was 1-3 on the road in conference games. It's not like you know, losing against Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State is the murderer's row of college basketball. Hence, throw all that together, and that's the question. That is a question that we will officially answer today around 1230. Plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Let's toss it on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. The countdown is on for pitchers and catchers reporting, but there really hasn't been a whole lot of movement free agency wise. Uh, And maybe there's, uh, uh, you know, Cody Bellinger possibly thought that there was a more robust market for him. But as of right now, 
He's still unsigned. The question, though, are the Cubs legitimate NL contenders if they do re-sign Cody Bellinger? And yes, out in front at 76.2% of the vote, no trailing at 23.8%. The reason this is a question today is that MLB.com reported yesterday that he's expected to stay in Chicago and re-sign with the Cubs. You know, a couple of things have happened as far as the you know so-called hot stove, which hasn't been very hot since the start of uh, – the off season, basically, you know, you had the uh, Otani thing that was supposedly holding things up. Then once he signed, there seemingly was, you know, a couple other you know, key free agents who remain unsigned. But in Bellinger's case, Scott Boris is his agent, and Scott Boris is known to, and he's done a tremendous job. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'd love him if he were my agent. He's frustrating if he's not. <laughs> if you're just you do what I do, is a. Uh, It'd be nice if these guys, a lot of more guys, would some be signed by now. Uh, but Bellinger uh, has Boris as an agent. I'm sure that he's going to get the max, at least, uh, you know, from whoever is interested in him. I think you have a good point. I don't know if the market's as much as they thought as far as teams go. And once the uh, Yankees got Soto, it seemed like that you know the Yankees and the Cubs were the teams for Bellinger when you know when the actual you know offseason began. And uh, you know, Soto, you know, signs with there gets traded to the Yankees. Uh, he so they're they're out of the the, the Bellinger market and you know, interest for him. Obviously, he's not going back to Los Angeles, so uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, he's a he's an interesting player, and uh, I'll get into why I think he's uh, an interesting player, a very skilled player, but an interesting player and. Whether it's the Cubs or anybody else, I think there's some questions about how good he is. Um, absolutely. Another question that we will answer here today around uh, um, 1230 today. As we get into the Phoenix Suns here, as they are playing in Brooklyn tonight, the road trip continues. I do want to point this out first here in some sad news in terms of the Suns community. Uh, it was announced yesterday that former editor with Bright Side of the Sun, Dave King, passed away. Their current deputy manager yesterday wrote and detailed that he died over the weekend at the age of 56 after a battle with stage four melanoma. And I didn't know Dave uh, very well, but when I first started at KDOS AM 1060 and going to Suns games, he was always incredibly nice to me. And, you know, the arena, you don't know where to go and, and who to talk to and what to what to ask and things of that nature. But Dave was always kind enough to point me in the right direction, answer every questions, and was always uh, a friendly face to say hello to me when sometimes you had that deer in the headlights look about uh, this is uh, this is really cool of where I am, but also a little overwhelming. So at the same time, just wanted to to pass along those condolences to his family, friends, and everyone who knew him about the sad news from over the weekend. And certainly uh, what he did, too, was really cool. Uh, every year he put together the Bright Side Night, which was giving kids an opportunity and a chance to go to Suns games and raising the funds and money to do so. So a really cool thing that he used to do as part of this community. So once again, condolences there to his uh, family and all the people that knew him really well it's yeah i didn't know dave at all actually i know who he was but i never i've never really don't remember even talking to him that's my bad uh but uh you know that's uh yeah i saw that yesterday and it was uh obviously uh, i didn't realize uh you know what the, the whole situation was there but that's uh you know once again i 
echo your comments about the condolences to his family and, and everybody in the Suns community that know him. Absolutely. It's never an easy transition to talk about that and then go right back into sports here, but we'll, we'll try to do it. Uh, the Suns, they are in Brooklyn tonight. They are playing the Nets, a team that they lost to on Sean Marion night back in December here. But since then, the Nets have struggled. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, he leads the team with 21.9 points per game, 35 minutes per game. He's still that Iron Man. Cam Thomas at 21.1 points per game. Cam Johnson at 13.9 points per game, 4.6 rebounds and 2.6 assists. But maybe there's a boost here, if you will, and I have boost in quotations, with the return of Ben Simmons on Monday night with nearly a triple-double and 18 minutes of action. Uh, but, yeah, the, the blast from the past name with Ben Simmons returning to the Nets lineup. Yeah, um, you just got to, you know, I'm sure they're knocking on every piece of wood they can find in, uh, in Brooklyn uh, just to keep him out there. And uh, hopefully he can continue to play. Um, you know, there's, you know, a lot of different opinions about Ben Simmons, the player when he's healthy, um, you know, he's an excellent passer. Uh, he's an excellent, uh, you know, defensive player. Uh, he can't shoot and, uh, he's been reluctant to shoot in some of the biggest moments of his career when he was healthy back in, you know, the, the days in six with the Sixers and so forth, uh, including the playoffs. And obviously, you know, basically he, you know, didn't really want to take the last shot of a game uh, when they was in Philadelphia in the playoffs. And Trey Young was the defender, and Trey Young is one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And they still was not, you know, he was hesitant or just didn't. Uh, you know, would have been a pretty easy play for most. And he passed the ball, and they lost. So a lot going on there. So we'll see what's going on. Uh, the Nets have really – their last 10 games are really strange. Uh, they've, they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, yet they've outscored their opponents in the last 10 games, which <laughs> is just a strange number. <laughs> There's yeah, been some blowouts, obviously, but yeah, rarely do you see a team that is 2-8 you know, you know, in their last 10 games, and they average, they've averaged more points over that span than their opponents have. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting here. And then for the Suns, uh, you know, they have the fact that Booker scored 152 points over his last three games, but the team went one and two in that three-game stretch here. So they have only three games remaining of the four-game road trip, and it's against the Nets, Hawks, and Wizards, who are a combined 47 and 81. So you absolutely, if you're the Suns starting tonight, have to take advantage of this uh, quote-unquote soft schedule part of the road trip. Well, you would have thought they'd done that before they when they played, uh, you know, Indiana, Indiana, and also Orlando. Uh, you know, once again, I just go back to what I've been saying literally since last July. This is not a good team. I mean, they've got stars, but this is not a good structured team. Was not put together with structure. I just, uh, I wish, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but I just don't see any, you know, way for this to really end. I mean. Uh, you know, they're going to score a bunch of points, which they've done since the big three has been playing, but they're terrible defensively. Uh, you mentioned the last time that they played the Nets on Sean Marion night. That was one of the many fourth quarter meltdowns for the Suns season this year. I got outplayed the fourth quarter of that game. They're the worst defensive team in the NBA in the fourth quarter, uh, which should not be surprising if you just look at the way the roster has been constructed. 
Uh, the Suns, they will be in Brooklyn tonight. It's a 6.30 p.m. game on ABC. Also, meanwhile, the Suns, they have fallen to 14th in the newest power rankings from 9th, according to ESPN. So also a bit reflective of this stretch that they've been on here right now. Um, and I guess along those lines, to your point that you've been making since season began, that maybe there will be some stretches where they have some success, but to... Um, uh, not look at that through a rose-colored lens to look at the totality of of the work here and the type of players on the court uh, being able to not put that necessary defensive pressure, if you will, in those crunch moments. Yeah, and I actually, before the season started, and even going back to July when I was critical of the way that they built this roster, even then I thought they would win. I thought they'd have a higher winning percentage. Uh, than they have and I know they've missed some people but everybody in the NBA is missing people on a regular basis so I'm not really buying into the injuries everybody seems to have them and almost everybody that's a good team never seems to have all their players available for a high percentage of the games for whatever reason legitimate injuries not legitimate injuries for whatever reason so but I thought that they would have a higher winning percentage the thing that has actually surprised me is that I didn't think that their defensive deficiencies would really bite them until they got in the playoffs. You know, you talked about injuries. Uh, I was listening to, uh, there was a, the segment I was listening to on the way into work this morning was previewing the slate of NBA games tonight. And I think almost every key game that you would think there would be some cool matchups to, to watch tonight uh, all had every single key player listed as questionable, it seemed like. So uh, not a great night ahead in terms of yeah. in terms of that across the league. That's the case every night and has been for a handful of years now. And yeah, they've done everything they can league-wide to try to incentivize players to play more games, the 65 games you have to play to be eligible for the MVP. You know, the uh, you know, they're going to crack down and fine teams uh, for players that are you know sitting out when they're not hurt, which I said immediately after that story broke. How could they possibly enforce this? And they haven't been able to really enforce it. They've done it a couple times when it's just been beyond obvious that people have been sitting out just for to rest. Uh, and they, they seem to, you know, there's, they have so many national television windows. Rarely does it seem like those games actually have all the key players playing. And I understand the frustration from the league side of things. But it's uh, it's this is just you know, what you mentioned as far as listening to that thing this morning. This happens almost every night in the NBA, and one of the reasons that I just think that the regular season, and I think I've got a lot of evidence here over the last 50 years or longer that the regular season really doesn't mean a whole lot, and they keep ex you know, expanding the playoff field even more. Uh, you know, with the uh, you know ten teams, if you count the play-in games, I mean that just you know, makes the regular season even more irrelevant. 
Well, we'll try to get into a few of the teams on the other side of the break with ESPN's power rankings and just uh, maybe some surprises they have. Plus, where are those Milwaukee Bucks with their new head coach, Doc Rivers? So we'll get into a little bit more on the NBA on the other side of the break. As a reminder, today's your last day to get yourself eligible for those sixth row hoops tickets. Contested downtown Phoenix, all the food, all the drink included, pretty sweet tickets. Download the KDOS 1060 app now. Apple Android users both can do so. Get yourself registered. That's the key component we need so we can find you if you are the winner of the listener rewards here through the KDOS 1060 app with those sixth row hoops tickets. Final day to get involved and the contest closes. More NBA discussion on the other side of the break. It's the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Eleven twenty-three here on this Wednesday, January 31st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Had set to have a conversation about some NFL uh, coaches on the move, staying put, planning on doing that a little bit later on, and we'll get to it down the road as well. But we do have some breaking news because one of those vacancies has been filled. The Seattle Seahawks have now hired Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. Uh, so they're sticking with the defensive theme. And for what uh, seemed to be a slam dunk for Dan Quinn prior to the Cowboys playing their final <laughs> game of the season, uh, they're not hiring Dan Quinn and they're going Mike McDonald. But like I said, stay in defense. Yeah, uh, the reason you mentioned uh, probably was a slam dunk in many people's opinion, and I'm sure I mentioned something similar to that the last couple of weeks, uh, is that the fact that he was obviously the uh, coordinator in the Legion of Boom days, uh, even though he kind of just inherited what uh, Pete Carroll had built because that was clearly a Pete Carroll creation, uh, those four defensive backs and they had a really good pass rush, too, which I think was kind of forgotten. And Bobby Wagner was in his heyday then, as opposed to last year when Bobby Wagner collected a bunch of tackles on a team that didn't have anybody else that really could tackle. Um, so that leaves one coaching vacancy remaining with the Washington Commanders. We'll get into a little bit more about the uh, the coaches. Bill check. <laughs> call Bill and call Bill. Man. He's got a, he's he's got a, he's not doing anything. Well, it's interesting because, like, probably with, what, 10 weeks left to go in the regular season, that that's where the rumors had been headed, that Bill yeah, Belichick was going true. to be uh, Washington Commander's next head coach. But at least up until this point, there's been nothing reported that Bill and the yeah. hiring committee for the Commanders have spoken. I think I'm, like, 75% sarcastic when I say Belichick, but 25% of me says, yeah, maybe that wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> 
So we'll get into a little bit more NFL coaching, hiring a little bit later on in the show. Getting back to our NBA conversation here and uh, uh, highlighted by the ESPN power rankings from this morning. The number one team, probably of no surprise, is the Boston Celtics. They're 37 and 11. Uh, They did top the Pacers yesterday, 129 to 124. Jason Tatum leading the way with 30 points. Jalen Brown adding 25 points. But how about this metric for you? When Kristaps Porzingis is on the court, the Celtics have a plus 12 net rating. So that trade looks like it's working out so far. It is. And uh, I was a big and still am because I need to see him make it through an entire season and do something in the postseason. Uh, but I've never been a big Porzingis guy. Actually, uh, when he was drafted by the Knicks back in the day, I remember going to the summer league in Las Vegas. And uh, it was a, uh, my best friend in Las Vegas is a huge Knicks fan uh, from New York slash New Jersey. And, uh, you know, he, and Przingis was awful in the summer league, by the way. Uh, you know, you know, there's plenty of guys that aren't good in the summer league that are going to be good NBA players. Usually it's the opposite guys. who kind of went, whoa, we thought, you know, he should have been better in college when we watch summer league games. Or why wasn't he better in college? Uh, but yeah, you know, I've never been a big Porzingis fan. Maybe uh, I got you know skewed just by you know, watching him in the summer league for a few games. Uh, but I certainly saw him play enough in the NBA. He's had a lot of injury issues. He's on a different team every 20 minutes. Uh, those things, I think, uh, you know, they're the, certainly not even in the back of my mind, the front of my mind. But this has worked out so far this year in Boston. But also where I remember Boston last year, you know, cruised through the regular season. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they got beat by the Heat uh, because they were outcoached significantly uh, and so forth. So we'll uh, see how the, the Celtics do when it counts. Rising in the ranks here, the defending champs, the Denver Nuggets sitting at 33-15. and 15. Denver has won seven of their last nine, including a game in Boston, actually. 102-100 to 100 in that contest. And I mean, Jokic here, 26.3 points per game, 12.1 rebounds, nine assists per game. And guess what? He is now minus 125 to win the MVP. Well, I think part of that is because of the Embiid situation, yeah. the 65-game limit, right? Uh, yeah, also Murray, uh, they beat the Bucks the other night, and Murray had 35 in that game. Uh, so, you know, they're good. And uh, I do have one acquaintance who, you know, pays very close attention to the NBA, and we occasionally talk about it because he gets frustrated with me stating my case that the NBA regular season is a waste of time. I'm sure many get frustrated with that, but I apologize, sort of. But I think I've got ample evidence to say it's a complete waste of time. I, he he even thinks that the uh, Nuggets are just kind of cruising through the regular season and waiting for the postseason. The third team in this power rankings, rising also in the ranks, is the L.A. Clippers, 30-15. and 15. They have yeah. just three losses in the entire month of January. Kawhi Leonard, 23.8 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists. Paul George, 23 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, but something to monitor with him as he's been playing through a groin issue. James Harden, 17.1 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, and 8.6 assists. And when the trade for James Harden first took place, the Clippers really struggled. But I think a lot of credit is deserved for, for everyone on the roster there and Ty Lue of figuring things out as they're coming together now. 
Uh, no doubt. Uh, and yeah, would they lose like their first six or seven games of it was the season bad. or something like that? It, it was ba- Yeah, good point. It was bad. They got off to a bad start. <laughs> uh, but uh, certainly they play better lately. I had the same thought about them last year at this time, or even going into the playoffs as I do now, is I think actually when healthy, and these, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure that Leonard's played a you know, very high percentage of games. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that George has too, but when healthy, I actually think this is the best team in the NBA. Uh, and you know, they have a really good coach. Uh, I think that Lou, you could make a case, uh, might be the second best coach in the NBA. I think that, uh, well, I'm, you know, Popovich, obviously the, it doesn't matter now because they don't have very many good players in San Antonio, but as far as the guys that are teams that are going to make the playoffs, you know, you know, there's no question that, uh, you know, that, you know, Spolster is the best coach. Uh, you know, no, there's zero doubt about that. But I'm I'm at the point now where the teams that are going to make the playoffs. I don't. Uh, I would. I think that Lou might be the second best coach, uh, and he certainly gets the most out of his talent. And you know, last year, you know, I thought that they were the best team heading into the playoffs, and unfortunately, Leonard goes down. It was that game two? I think it was against the Suns. Yes. And he was out for the rest of the season at that point. Number four in this list is the Timberwolves at 33 and 14. Minnesota has been atop the West pretty much all season long. Anthony Edwards, 25.9 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, 5.3 assists. Carl Anthony Towns, 22.6 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, and 3.1 assists. But I think, you know, just seeing Anthony Edwards uh, take that next step, you saw the you saw the budding of his game last last season and it certainly carried over into this year yeah and this is something i talked about yesterday with dan favale from bleacher report you know who you know it's his job to watch these games closely and you know the timberwolves you know i've watched a little bit about them a little them this year not much but uh the fact that you know they kind of have the same cast of characters that they did last year when nothing seemed to fit last year and now it's working out with the bigs, the multiple bigs, and that's worked out great so far. Edwards has obviously been tremendous. Uh, you know, you know, I liked him a lot at the University of Georgia, but I never imagined he'd be this good in his entire career in the NBA, let alone like three years into his NBA career. He's been really, really, really good. Uh, then you have the fifth team, according to the ESPN Power Rankings here with the 76ers at 29 and 17. Joel Embiid injured his left knee, though, Tuesday night while Kaminga landed on his left leg as they were both chasing a loose ball. He's said to have an MRI today. I've yet to hear anything definitive one way or another on that. But um, also you had touched on this here that uh, with the new rules, Embiid, can only miss five more games to still be eligible for the MVP award, but maybe more to the point of long-term ramifications. The 76ers have now lost four in a row. He's never played 65 games in a season. So, you know, getting to 65 games wasn't going to happen no matter what, unfortunately. Uh, And I've had the same tune with the Sixers through several coaches and so forth in recent years. You know, maybe not several is the wrong word, multiple coaches. Uh, I don't care if it's Nick Nurse or uh, Doc Rivers. Uh, with Embiid there and the fact that he just can't stay healthy, uh, I just can't believe in the Sixers until they actually get to at least to the Eastern Conference Finals, which they've done, I believe, one time uh, since Embiid has been there. 
Then you have uh, number six on this list is the Bucks at 32 and 15. The Bucks lost Doc Rivers' coaching debut Monday night against the Nuggets there. But since Adrian Griffin was fired, the Bucks are giving up 110.9 points per 100 possess- possessions, which is ninth in the NBA during that stretch. I don't know if that means anything, but it was a little statistic yeah. there. Uh, the Bucks continue. I think that I think that's an excellent stat. Go, you know, go, go, sorry to interrupt, but you get, let's get back to that when you're done with your dissertation here. <laughs> okay. And then the Bucks, <laughs> I was just going to say, continue their five-game road trip that ends in Phoenix on Tuesday. Ooh, okay. That'll be interesting to watch. Watching the Bucks play is always fun because you get to watch Giannis. For that, for no other, that's a good reason right there. Um, as far as that stack goes, I mean, their defense is – that's why Adrian Griffin got fired, basically. Well, one reason, apparently, he also didn't get along with either Giannis or Lillard, even though both those guys deny it, but something was going on there. I mean, there are 7 million games over 500, and they fired the head coach. Uh, the thing that I've said, from the time that they got Lillard, uh, they traded Drew Holiday – Maybe the best perimeter defender in the NBA. If not, he's in the in the conversation. And they got Lillard, who is like the worst perimeter defender in the NBA. Did they not expect to get worse defensively? And I remember the stat from last week. You know, they were fourth in the NBA in you know basically you know all the defensive stats and so forth last year. They were 22nd uh, when they uh, you know when they made the coaching change last week. I'm sure they, you know, I don't think they're dumb enough to think that there wasn't going to be some kind of decline, but that's an epic decline in defense. And this, the last team that we'll talk about here comes in at number seven, the Thunder at 32 and 15. They have lost two straight now, including to the Pistons and the Timberwolves. Shea Gildas-Alexander, though, 31.1 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 6.4 assists. Chet Holmgren, 16.7 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 2.7 assists for him. And he's sitting at plus 200 to win Rookie of the Year. Meanwhile, Victor Wembanyama is sitting at minus 240. Yeah, Holmgren's been amazing. In fact, uh, another one of my friends who you know, pays attention to the NBA uh, was not high on Holmgren. I, I watched him at Gonzaga, as did my friend. He watches college basketball, too. And uh, neither of us, were, well, at least I, I'll speak for myself. I had real questions whether, you know, after watching him at Gonzaga, whether he could deal with the NBA and much more physical game, even though it's not as physical as it used to be, etc. He's been really, really good. And uh, I think that uh, you know, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with my buddy about this. And, yeah, he's exceeded all of our expectations. He's been really good. Uh, and you know, he obviously did not play last year because he got injured in the summer a couple of years ago before the season even started. Uh, so he's still eligible for Rookie of the Year. Uh, but he's been he's been tremendous. They've got like literally I don't know how many draft picks. They've got a ton of draft picks, first round picks that they've accumulated with all the trades that they've made over the years, including Chris Paul and other teams. They need to trade some of those draft picks and get a couple of veteran players if they want to make a deep playoff run. I don't care how many games they win the regular season. I kind of forgot Chris Paul was a Thunder for. A half oh, a minute. Yeah. yeah. With Monty with Monty Williams. Yeah, that is true. 602-260-1060 is the number. If you'd like to chime in, we'll take your phone calls now. 
and get to you on the other side of the break. We'll also dive a little bit into the Senior Bowl, which is set for Saturday, February 3rd. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. A little bit about the Senior Bowl. It's set for Saturday, February 3rd at 11 a.m. on the NFL Network. Quarterbacks that are participating for the American... I'm watching practice right now, by the way. Oh, there we go. It's on ESPN right now, right? It's on the NFL Network. Oh, okay. Well, it might, might be on ESPN, too, for all I know. Not ESPN 1, or sorry. ESPN, ESPN networks. Two. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's definitely, I'm watching the NFL Network because Daniel, uh, Daniel Jeremiah is on here. I think he's tremendous. Uh, and uh, he's not afraid to state his opinion, uh, which I think there are far too many network television people that are afraid to state their opinion. He's not one of them. Uh, the quarterbacks that are participating this week for the American team are Carter Bradley from South Alabama, Joe Milton from Tennessee, Michael Pratt from Tulane, and Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. The national team quarterbacks, Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, Bo Nix from Oregon, and Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Okay, let's go through those guys one by one, uh, one here, and I'll quickly get to at least a little comment, I think, about every one of them. The South Alabama guy, actually, that's a home game because they play in Mobile. That they play, This is his home field, so there's that's what I know about him. Who's next after uh, him? Joe Milton <laughs> from Tennessee. Okay, biggest arm in the draft. Uh, biggest arm in many drafts. Reminds me of Jamarcus Russell, which is not a necessarily a good thing. Uh, hopefully he doesn't go and eat everything and, you know, the, you know, like they could find and, you know, gain a million pounds like Russell did. Uh, but he's got a huge arm, uh, not exactly good on touch passes. Um, you know, was actually, he played, he started his career at Michigan, didn't have transferred to Tennessee, but, uh, I'm sure that uh, the reason he's there is because he's got the big arm. They actually said the other day he actually throws 80. He can throw an 80-yard pass. Or 80, ball, ball goes 80 yards in the air, and that was yesterday I heard that, and I don't think that uh, they're giving me any grief or giving me any bull on that. I think that's the truth. But you know, where it's going, it's like a major league pitcher that throws hard. You know, He has no location. He has no clue. Uh, I think that's kind of the Joe Milton description. Michael Pratt from Tulane. Yeah, he did. A, they mentioned yesterday. I mean, yeah, he could have come out after last year. He went back, and uh, yeah, while Tulane wasn't as good, partly because they didn't have as many good players around him. I know they had a good record, but they weren't as good. They weren't going to win a Cotton Bowl game this year like they did last year against USC. Uh, but he really apparently has helped himself a lot. Uh, so that's a guy to pay attention to, I would assume, not just this week, but the combine is going to be very important for him. Michael, uh, sorry, excuse me, Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. 
and Valley product, Spencer Rattler. Uh, and uh, he had an interesting college career, obviously. He was highly recruited out of here and went to OU. And then OU got this guy named Caleb Williams, uh, who was better. And so he was out of there. I think it was real. I think it's very important for Rattler to kind of reestablish himself. He had no chance at South Carolina this past year. They had a horrible offensive line. Uh, he put up some big time games. Yeah, I watch the SEC Network every Saturday night in their post game and during the college football season. And the, the SEC Network commentators for two years have been all over the map. Uh, about Rattler with good reason because some weeks he looks like he's the next coming and the next week he looks like you know, he's you know, just not even a college quarterback. Uh, but this past year, uh, there were a few offensive lines that were worse than South Carolina. Uh, then the quarterbacks for the national team, Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. Shaved his beard, I noticed yesterday. I don't know why. I mean, he's you know he was, you know he played at Wake Forest and Notre Dame for like a decade. It seemed. I don't think he shaved at that time, uh, but he has since then. Um, he went to Notre Dame from Wake Forest to be in a more of a pro style offense. He also, you know, I think was you know, I assume pretty disappointed that they didn't have the receivers or the receivers weren't as good as they thought they were going to be. So, once again, a guy that really needs to prove it this week and when we get to the combine and the individual workouts and the whole process before the draft. Bo Nix from Oregon. <clears throat> Apparently didn't have a very good day yesterday. Uh, I didn't get to see that part, but, uh, you know, I did <clears> – <throat> excuse me, I did hear the uh, Matt Miller on ESPN yesterday and also uh, Jeremiah – uh, and uh, I forgot who's doing the commentary with Jeremiah. I think it was the other guy uh, that Charles Davis is doing it. Uh, they seemed to, you know, Davis and Miller seemed to be in concert that uh, Bo Nix did not have a good day of practice yesterday. And these practices are far more important than the game itself. The game itself, the most scouts don't even stay for the game. Uh, they're there for, and, and you know, there are a lot of, you know, Mike Tomlin is one of the coaches in this game. You know, they have NFL coaching staffs that are out of the playoffs, obviously. They're coaching in the, uh, the coaching staffs. Uh, so that's uh, – but uh, most of the NFL people don't even stay for the game. So if you have a couple of bad practices, that's not a good thing. Michael Penix Jr. is the final quarterback from Washington. Apparently he looked really good yesterday. and Not surprising. I think we're pretty familiar with him. There are several teams in the NFL – that have either red flagged him or they got a big, you know, kind of a yield sign going here uh, because he's you know, had multiple season-ending injuries when he was in Indiana. He's had multiple surgeries. Uh, so I can understand why some medical staffs are, you know, leery of him to begin with. But, you know, there are a few quarterbacks in the uh, college ranks for uh, a decade or maybe even longer that throw a better deep ball than Michael Penix, which we mentioned a few times during the Washington football season, the University of Washington. Uh, Lane Z Zeroline and Eric Edholm of NFL.com put together five stars from day one of Senior Bowl practice. So we'll get into that on the other side of the break. The five stars listed are not any of the quarterbacks that we pointed out. However, I did see that uh, Michael Penix Jr. did light up 
light up the uh, the skies with his throws and things of that nature as well. So he had yeah. a good day, as you were pointing out. So we'll get into that on the other side of the break as we wrap up our number one on this Wednesday, January 31st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you back after this. AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Wrapping up our number one of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob and Kayla here with you up until one o'clock today. Continuing with some of the senior bowl notes from day number one, Lance Zerline and Eric Edholm from NFL media, NFL.com put together five stars from day one of senior bowl practice. Number one, Roman Wilson wide receiver from Michigan pointed out here yeah. from Lance that he never reached 800 receiving yards in college any year he was there. But of course, Michigan had run a very run heavy approach. Uh, um, so he should uh, run away from coverage, and he showed that he can do that. He can run away from coverage and make contested catches. And Lance pointed out that he reminded him a lot of Tank Dell when he showed up at the Senior Bowl. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think you know, he's a little bigger than Tank, but so is everybody else pretty much. Uh, I don't know how Tank Dell got the name because he's a small dude, <laughs> but maybe that's it's just kind of the, uh, the sarcasm involved there. Uh, but, you know, I mentioned Wilson during a lot of the Big Ten season and uh, the fact that, you know, obviously he wasn't going to have the stats that other team, the other players did. But I actually thought he was the second best receiver in the Big Ten behind only Marvin Harrison Jr. And better than all you know, the other guys at Ohio State and, you know, a couple of other receivers for Maryland and so forth that might have gotten more pub before the season started last year. But he was Wilson was really good at Michigan. Number two, Lad McConkey, wide receiver from Georgia. Great yeah. route one runner, and he obviously continues to show that he makes tough catches. And he's another small dude. And I just watched him during our break here make a spectacular diving catch at the Senior Bowl practice today, uh, just a few moments ago. So we another you know, he's a smaller dude. I know there's some Cooper Cup comparisons out there. I think that's unfair to, you know, to McConkey. Also, I think it's kind of an insult to Cup, <laughs> but that's just the way I look at those things. I think it's a, I understand the comp thing. That's a big deal, and these type of settings and uh, comparisons are going to be out there. You know, who does he remind you of, I'm sure, is the most popular question, but I think it's sometimes unfair to the current player. Then uh, number three was Tyler Guyton, offensive tackle of Oklahoma, uh, yeah. pointed out that this is going to obviously be a pretty loaded draft with offensive lineman possibilities. But Guyton has 6'7", 328 pounds. He shut down spin moves and bull rushes in one-on-one -on -one drills. And I guess the curious part for coaches and scouts to figure out is that he only had one season as a full-time starter. That's true, and uh, you know, you know, going back to Daniel Jeremiah, he wouldn't shut. He actually, he was talking about uh, Guyton before the practice yesterday, 
and then they showed him during the practice, and he was just basically destroying defensive linemen. I mean, he was it was he wasn't just controlling them; he was destroying them. And as I go back, if you ever if people have ever gone to like a, you know, a an NFL pre when the Cardinals train in Glendale, if they go to practice. They have uh, every practice, almost every practice has a session with the offensive line against the defensive line. And usually the defensive line should and usually dominates that, that period because it's just you know, tougher for the offensive linemen and you, know, you don't have a group. It's one guy against one guy. Uh, and if you have an offensive lineman that totally dominates that area, that stands out. And uh, this really stood out with Guyton yesterday. You mentioned the one year starting at OU. I'm not sure what the deal was with that, but uh, I knew who he was before this week and certainly uh, you know, knew who he was after yesterday. Number four on this list was Chris Braswell, edge from Alabama. His aggression stood out, uh, continued to show, and he has to continue to show that he's a capable run defender. Yeah, that's part of the deal with edge rushers, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> no matter who it is. If, if you just have edge rusher from Alabama, I'm guessing that gets you immediately in the NFL. <laughs> and number five, another edge rusher, UCLA, uh, UCLA, yeah. Latu, Latu, uh, variety of moves, controlled and instinctive. And also same thing, run defender needs to show some capability there. Yeah, I think there might be a little difference of opinion here from Zerline and, and obviously our buddy Eric Edholm and uh, yesterday, but uh yeah, it seemed like at least the NFL Network people thought that he got kind of dominated in practice yesterday, especially by Guyton. Yeah, so that's kind of curious as well. Um, same article and kind of different, differing opinions. That'll, yeah. but that's okay. It causes uh, conversation, right? Yeah, it also creates a little doubt in my mind if I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's the deal with these dudes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Because I respect, I, I know Zerline, I don't know him, I know of him, and I've heard him on podcasts before. And obviously, uh, I've had Eric Edholm on for years in the sports zone. You have, we had him on this show too. And I think he's really good at what he does. And uh, I've already mentioned, I think Jeremiah is the best at what he does now. So for those two, you know, for the uh, conflicting opinions, um, that makes me kind of wonder what's going on. Hour number two of The Extra Point is next.